This is episode number 73 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. This episode is brought to you by Willow at Home, an online video series to help you strengthen and condition your core and pelvic floor. It contains three unique classes combining yoga, Pilates, and bodyweight exercises. If you're preparing for childbirth, recovering postpartum, or want to improve symptoms of bladder leakage, pelvic organ prolapse, or diastasis recti, this series is for you. This class is available in person in my own community and was created by Stephanie Reynolds, a yoga instructor and owner of the Willow Studio. I often recommend these classes to my own physiotherapy clients, and you'll notice I'm demonstrating the prenatal exercise option in the videos, which was a lot of fun, since I loved doing these classes in person during my own pregnancy. Stephanie has generously given Two Birth and Beyond podcast listeners 30% off with the code Two Birth and Beyond. For direct links and details, check out the show notes for this episode at twobirthandbeyond.com forward slash podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, and I'm podcasting solo today because I wanted to talk about my baby's first birthday. So my youngest is turning one in a few days, actually. I'm recording this on Friday, June gosh, what's the date? June 21st. And his birthday is on Tuesday, June 25th. So we're just a few days away from Theo's first birthday. And this is just such a nice opportunity for me to reflect on what this year has been like and to put these feelings into thoughts. And to be able to have this for myself is just so nice. It's really therapeutic. And uh, perhaps there will be some things that you can uh, enjoy hearing about and maybe that will speak to you as well if you are perhaps somewhere in this journey of motherhood or parenthood as well. So uh, let me catch you up. Theo's almost one. He was not a planned pregnancy, and I'll talk about that in a second, Um this pregnancy was very much unexpected and we weren't actually sure what we are going to do about the pregnancy. And I think that is what makes so much of the feelings that I'm experiencing right now and what I've experienced this entire year so different than what I was feeling when my oldest, who's now almost four, Steele is her name, when she was turning one. It just is very different emotions and experience that is happening for me right now. So I'll get to all the pregnancy stuff, but I just wanted to tell you what I'm feeling right now. It's just joy. He is just 
joy and has been since the minute he arrived. And he's been a trickier baby than his sister, but there's just something about him. His energy was, is, it just is exactly what I felt and sensed it was going to be and what I was hoping for it to be. He's very calm, super joyful, mostly happy, very chill. Similar to his sister, their energies are just slightly different and we'll see how that changes and shifts as he gets older. But that is the word that I use to describe him to people. He's just joy. I look at him and could cry multiple times a day. My eyes fill up with tears when I look at him because he almost wasn't here and he is and it is just such an overwhelming sense of so many things for me, but really the experience for me is joy as well. I'm just so grateful that he is here when he almost wasn't. And I don't want anyone to feel like that's that should impact their decision of whether they want to have a child or another child, or perhaps if you have had an abortion, and we'll talk about abortion here more in a minute, that that was the wrong decision for you. Not at all in any way. Just for me, he almost wasn't here. And I knew so deeply, even though it felt so uncomfortable that he was supposed to be here for some reason, even though I really couldn't figure it out. And I'm just so grateful that he is here. So let me recap. If you are new, newer to the podcast or new to me, let me tell you quickly just what the just what the whole scenario was in regards to getting pregnant with the baby who is now Theo. So on Wednesday, October 25th, 2017, and the day it's burned in my memory, which is why I remember it so clearly why I will probably always remember that date. I found out that I was pregnant with this baby who I was not trying to get pregnant with and I was not wanting to be pregnant with. Um, it was a really awful day. It was a terrible day and many terrible days that would follow it. So uncomfortable. I took this pregnancy test after I dropped our daughter Steele off at day home for a few hours in the morning. My husband was out of town, took this pregnancy test because I had that deep intuitive feeling in my bones that I was pregnant. We were really trying to avoid pregnancy actually. I had a lot of very confused feelings going around with if I wanted to have another baby, if we wanted to have another baby, if that was right for our family, and more specifically, if that was right for my physical, mental, and emotional health, and just for my life in general, and for our family's life. So the findings of that pregnancy test being positive were really jarring, extremely uncomfortable, I just wanted to escape my life, myself, my body in that moment. I cried on the floor, scream crying, just really so angry that I was in that place. 
I feel like I should have put a content warning on that before I started talking about it. We'll put one at the beginning of the episode because I do understand how those like me talking through this could be immensely triggering for other people. And I I hope that I hope that it is not. Of course, I can't control how other people are experiencing it. Just trying to be honest in my my experience of it. So we considered abortion. My first immediate thought was absolutely abortion would be the path that we are going to take. And I sat with it and I went to counseling and I talked it out. Randy and I talked it out. My husband over and over and over again. I cried about it constantly. And it was probably two weeks after finding out that that abortion appointment was booked for. So it was early-ish November at that point. And I didn't know what I was going to do the night before that appointment. I would have had to leave the house, I think, around 7 a.m. the next morning. I set my alarm for 6 a.m., went downstairs, sat on the couch, cried. And somehow I just, I just kept coming back to knowing that this baby was supposed to be here. And I didn't know why. And it felt awful. And I couldn't even say it out loud. I could not say that I wanted to be pregnant. I could not say that I wanted to have another baby. But somehow I just knew, I just knew that this was this is where we're supposed to be. This is where we were supposed to go. And so I called the abortion clinic. Very grateful, lucky to be in Canada where abortion is more easily accessible than other places. Canceled the appointment, went up stairs, woke my husband up, told him that I had canceled the appointment and cried about it again so the thought of really committing to being pregnant to having another baby was very very scary for me again if you're not um if you're not familiar with the story of my first pregnancy and birth and postpartum experience the birth rocked me with my daughter seal in many ways it was an unplanned cesarean And while the cesarean and the experience of it was actually very good and I felt incredibly supported, I did experience some symptoms of PTSD after that. And so the mental and emotional recovery was very challenging for me, much more so than the physical recovery because I had a pretty good handle on what was occurring with that. But the mental and emotional recovery was very tough. Um, So there was just a lot of things that were terrifying about committing to going through another pregnancy. I have difficult pregnancies as well with nausea and sickness from top to bottom of those pregnancies, 24 hours a day. That is something that you can understand the immense difficulty of if you have lived through that as well. And then it just felt like I was walking into the fire to go through another birth, which with however I was going to birth that baby, if it would be a trial of labor, if it would be a plan C-section, it felt like I was walking into the fire and that was so hard to commit to. And I know some of you listening in will understand what I mean by that. If you have also contemplated having another baby and just imagining 
the intensity of that birth and then the postpartum recovery of it as well, and then caring for a newborn, adding another baby to your family, it is so much. And I think that these conversations are so important to be having and to listening to people about their experiences and all the feelings that come up, because I think that we only hear or mostly hear the joy side of pregnancy and bringing a new baby into the family. And uh, there's a lot of other angles to consider about it. So that was mine this time. So the pregnancy was difficult. It was pretty awful a lot of the time. I was quite miserable throughout. I was, again, very sick, nauseous, 100% of the time. The first trimester sickness uh, isn't really a thing I've experienced. It has been full pregnancy sickness, morning sickness, not so much all day sickness has been my experience as well. And those things are really challenging to live through. We got to the end of that pregnancy. I did a lot of processing of the last birth and I had before this as well. I did a lot of thinking, a lot of tuning in to my own instincts about what I wanted this birth to look like, about what was best for me, again, on all levels of my health, like really considering what was best for me with my physical health, with my pelvic floor health the recovery of that birth, what it would look like, what we could handle as a family here without having family close by with also having a kid that was going to be three by the time this baby was born. Just a lot to consider. So I decided on a planned cesarean and that was absolutely the best route for me to go. I think back upon that birth and it makes me smile. I never thought that this is what I would choose if you had have asked me four or five years ago, even after that planned cesarean of steel, or sorry, that unplanned cesarean of steel's birth almost four years ago, immediately after, I absolutely said that I would try for a VBAC if we were ever to have another baby. One of my best friends came to visit when I was nine days postpartum with steel and I vividly remember having that conversation with her and Randy that, of course, I would try for a C or I would try for a VBAC if we were to have another baby. And at this time, I decided on that scheduled planned cesarean, and it was exactly what was best for me, what was best for our family, but mostly what was best for me as the birthing person as the mother, as the person that would then be caring for that baby primarily after the birth. is such a beautiful experience. We were with midwives. Again, grateful to be in Canada. We were with midwives and um, basically we had co-care with an OB who would then perform the surgery. I didn't know who the OB was going into the hospital that morning. We met the OB truly minutes before Theo was born, um, which is, it's cool for me to look back on that as well too, because the first, my first birth experience, I wanted to control all the things. I thought if I could control all this stuff, then the birth would go like this, this, and this, and it didn't. 
And this time, I really just went into it trusting in the universe, trusting in the medical providers, trusting in myself, trusting in baby, trusting that this, however this went, was going to be the right way it happened. And I didn't believe that the first time at all. So what I think is so cool this time is that Randy and I met with the OB who was going to perform the surgery truly minutes before walking into that operating room. And uh, he was he was an incredible man. Great to speak with him. Barely had any questions uh, for him. Again, just really trusted that this was going to be okay. I asked a couple of questions, really minor details though. And then we were like, all right, let's do this. Let's have this baby's birthday today. I walked myself into the operating room with my midwife, with uh, one of the nurses. I believe it was a nurse who was going to be in the operating room. And that was so weird too and so surreal that I was walking myself into birth and I was going to come out of that room with this baby out of my body and I wouldn't be able to walk because I just had this major surgery. So strange. It's still weird for me to think back on. And again, it's almost been one year to the day. So the surgery went incredibly well. Everyone in the room was fantastic. Baby was able to be on my chest, basically immediately afterwards, latched on the breast in the operating room, and I was feeling pretty good. So that was basically... That was basically it. We stayed in the hospital for four days because Theo was jaundice, and that was a blessing in disguise as well because I was basically bed-bound, rested hard for those four days. It was kind of nice to not have to spend any additional energy on anything but caring for myself and the baby. Very grateful to get home after those four days, of course. Nothing like being in your own bed in your own house. So we got home and my family, my mom, my dad, my sister, and my grandma had all come out from across the country. They were renting a house in our neighborhood. They were there for a week, maybe a week and a half or two weeks for my mom. Uh, Everybody else about a week. And they were basically on toddler duty. They were taking care of the three-year-old. They were helping us out, getting food, making food, cleaning up, whatever we needed. So that was absolutely wonderful. Randy, my husband, took parental leave, which we have talked about on the podcast before. Uh, He ended up taking seven months of parental leave, which was an absolute lifesaver. I do not take a maternity leave. I'm self-employed and it was important to me to continue working. And that is very minimal generally, of course, even more minimal, especially in that early postpartum period. I would work, gosh, it just depended some days just on social media, other days, maybe 30 minutes of coaching, eventually got back to like my one to three hours a day, but Randy was on parental leave for the first seven months of Theo's life, which was, I just can't 
I almost can't put it into words. I can't express how valuable that was for us as a family to get used to this new system, being a family of four, get used to what that looked like for us. It was really just so helpful for everyone's health, for the bonding of the family unit. I will be forever grateful for that and grateful that we made that choice, even though it was financially stressful. It was the right move. And it was good for Randy as well. And we've talked about this again on another episode of the podcast, but it was good for Randy to be home during that time because I have been the parent to be home over the last four years and doing basically all day parenting. It was good for him to be in that full time with no foreseeable break in the future. He wasn't going back to work in the next day or the next two days. He was going to be home. So it was good for us, good for our Uh, a good test for our ability to communicate and be with each other and to parent together. Okay, so let's move on to a bit further postpartum. So actually, I'll give you just some uh, like quick story on as soon as we got home from the hospital. So immediately postpartum, we noticed that Theo, who I see rolling around in his crib right now, waking up from nap, hopefully he goes back to sleep. But we noticed that he had silent reflux symptoms. So could tell that he was trying to keep reflux down. He was just really uncomfortable generally, especially after feeding. He couldn't settle on his back or sleep on his back all of a sudden. And really, it was essentially when my breast milk really started coming in. So that was... A bummer, total bummer. We really had to figure out what the heck to do with breastfeeding. And many of my clients have gone through this before, so I felt like I had a good handle on the information around it. Um, I kept breastfeeding, and really, I just keep reiterating the fact when I talk about this that the only reason why this worked with me continuing to breastfeed and cutting out a bunch of foods from my diet in order to see what was triggering the reflux for Theo. The only reason why that worked is because Randy was on parental leave. He was able to cook a lot of the food. There's no way that I wouldn't have been, would have been able to continue breastfeeding if I would have been at home with the toddler, three-year-old and the baby by myself and trying to cook and trying to eat in these very specific ways, it wouldn't have happened. So I just think that this is so important to bring to light. I cut out a bunch of foods. We figured out what was triggering the reflux. And then I started to slowly add foods back in and we got back to me eating my normal Uh, foods, my normal diet, quote unquote, which really in this case just means eating what I normally eat, drinking what I normally drink. Uh, So by about six months, that was all back to normal. Theo continued to breastfeed. And then at eight months postpartum, he decided to go on a nursing strike. Literally one day, he just wouldn't latch would not latch on the breast. And this was a kid that was breastfeeding at least five, six times a day at that point. No issues. 
And then he just didn't. And it was so strange and so weird. Steel breastfed past two years old and she just loved it. Would have continued for much longer. I personally was totally done at that point. So it was my decision to wean. And this time it was Theo's decision to wean. And it was so perfect in itself too. I could have taken it or left it at that point, the breastfeeding had every intention of continuing, continuing, but breastfeeding is damn hard work. And I think another thing we don't talk about enough is the cost of breastfeeding on the breastfeeding person or the chest feeding person. It is such an effort. It is a sacrifice And it is beautiful and wonderful and huge benefits for that breast or chest feeding person and the baby or toddler or kid, whatever the situation is, who is breastfeeding or chest feeding. It is, however, an immense commitment. So I was not sad to see it go. It felt strange more than anything because I was considering breastfeeding for much longer because that was my only experience beforehand, but that really wasn't the way that it was going to go this time. So we tried to get Theo to continue latching for the next week and he did not want to. He did not want to. I pumped for about, gosh maybe a week, 10 days in total. Um, And that long-term was not going to work for me. Again, would it have been been beneficial to Theo to continue having breast milk? Sure. But it wasn't going to be beneficial to me as the person. So that wasn't an option, again, for my own health. So I stopped and we changed to formula and bottle feeding, which has been wonderful. Steel did not take a bottle So in turn, she did not take formula as a baby. Of course, we could have fed her formula from other sources than a bottle. But again, that wasn't our experience. So to have a baby now this time that has been on bottles and formula, it feels so freeing for me. And again, I'm a huge, huge fan of uh, feeding babies from breast and breast milk. And that just hasn't been how it's gone this time. So it's been strange and wonderful. And basically, those are the two words that I could use to describe this whole situation from October 25th, 2017 till now. So moving on, Randy goes back to work at the end of January 2019. Things get a bit more real. Up until that point, we were all feeling pretty good. Things were okay toddler and baby, we were handling it. Was it challenging? Absolutely. Every day without fail, challenging. However, with two active, engaged parents and two kids, I felt like we were managing quite well. And that was probably my, one of my biggest concerns about having uh, another baby was just that it was going to be so immensely difficult to manage. But again, we had two parents that were home and able to take on that role and things you just cannot compare it to having, say, one parent at home and maybe that's the situation or maybe there's a second parent who is working out of the home 
So we had two parents at home and that's really what carried us through those first seven months feeling okay, (laughs) getting by in a decent way. Randy goes back to work after seven months of parental leave. We are now definitely experiencing some growing pains. So he's been back to work for five months, five months, end of June now. The first couple of months with him being back, I felt pretty good. I felt like I was handling things. Again, now going back to being the primary parent, I felt like I was handling things decently. I could get by. It was immediately more difficult. So Randy's shift schedule, he's a firefighter. They work two day shifts two night shifts and then take four days off, which really turns into working five days or me primary parenting five days and then him having three days where he feels okay and back in his life. Shift work is really difficult. Uh, Night shifts are very difficult and that flip-flopping of day shifts to night shifts is tough, especially in such a demanding position as firefighting or in any medical or emergency service is. So here we are. Randy goes back to work. I immediately notice that my resentment starts to build. My resentment towards him being the person that doesn't have to be the primary parent, my resentment starts to build. I feel like I kind of have it covered The resentment is controllable for those next couple months, and then it really starts to peak. And we've been having difficulties in our communication. We're both on the defense. We are both feeling unimportant, undervalued. And so just the next couple of months after that, and really leading up to just the last month, we're just having difficulties. It's feeling really hard now to have two kids, to have a baby and a toddler, even though they themselves were getting to a point where it feels more fun. They're kind of playing together. There's lots of laughter. It's a little bit nicer outside. So we're getting outdoors, like kind of the daily schedule feels a bit easier, but just the load of parenting for me feels really heavy and really hard and like a lot. And you know what? It is a lot, for me at least, and for the majority of people who I talk with who are in the same situation. It is a lot. So Randy and I have now returned to couples counseling over the last month, which has been immensely helpful. We are big fans of counseling. We actually started with the same counselor two years ago. We did a few sessions so helpful for us. And then we have stopped and not done couples counseling. So together for two years, and it's all the same themes that we're talking about currently right now in our last few sessions than it was two years ago as well. That first postpartum period really rocked our lives and our relationship. Everything was hard. Our whole world was different My resentment was pretty immense for, again, being the primary parent. And that's really what I was starting to feel this time as well, that I just had 
no breaks from this energy, the energy of trying to be super patient, the energy of trying to be a parent that gives the children what they need in terms of like basics of food and dressing them and some education and some activity and outdoor time and the nap schedule and the nighttime sleep, just taking on all of that in addition to trying to run and build and grow a business it's been a lot. So where we are now, we feel like the couples counseling has been so helpful. We're in a better place for sure. My resentment is lower. However, I do feel like we're in these this growing pains place in terms of our schedule and what I want my own life to look like. I don't want to be parenting all day, every day anymore, especially now that Theo is almost one. I just feel like I've reached this point where what I am wanting and needing and desiring for myself is starting to shift. So, and I noticed this with Steele too, that once she got to be around the one year mark, I wanted my own time. And what I find this time around, it's the same. And as an introverted, highly sensitive person, the energy of being around young kids all the day is tough, very tough. I am really needing and really hoping for more time purely to myself to be in solitude and More of that time can be spent working, which I really, really love. A lot of my work is done alone by myself, communicating with people in an online capacity. But also, I need solitude time that is not work. And that has been impossible to figure out so far over the last year. So that needs to happen for me. And so to make that happen, my schedule needs to change because how I have been working over the last four years, and particularly over the last year, is that I do work. My work time is when Theo or both kids are asleep. So at nap time for Theo or after bedtime when both of them are asleep at night, Steele is at a in-home daycare three days a week. But again, now that Theo is approaching one, his awake times are pretty long. He's awake for three, four plus hours at a time, naps once, sometimes twice a day, sleeps well at night. But again, there's just so much time of parenting. The majority of my daily hours are spent parenting. I don't work while they are awake. I might be on social media, on Instagram or Instagram stories, but I'm not doing work that moves uh, the dial, so to speak, or that is coaching in the business. All that to say, the schedule that I'm living right now is now beginning to not suit me, which doesn't suit the rest of the family as well. So that's where we're at. I feel like we're just in this space of growing pains. Like we are trying to figure out what is the next phase. And this was all that I expected. I was ready and prepared for this year of really being in it to raise this baby. 
it's also what I was so terrified of because it is, for me, consuming. Babies are consuming. They take a lot of energy and a lot of time. And there's a lot of effort in the raising of them forever. And of course, just this first year, it's just a lot of hands-on time. And it's been beautiful to spend that time with him. And I'm so grateful to have had it. Also, I'm ready for that to shift. I'm ready to put more energy back into Jesse, into myself, to really do more of the things that light me up because parenting all day, every day is not lighting me up right now. So I just want um, even like two to three hours a day of scheduled work time. I think that that would be, that would be kind of my perfect fit right now. Trying to make that happen with some childcare um, as we go forward here now that we have almost reached that one year postpartum mark. In summary, however, what I think has been the most different thing with this postpartum experience than the first one is that I feel the greatest sense of peace. This is our family. This is our family unit, our family of four right now. I fully know that I will not be pregnant again, that while I will not go through another childbirth, I will not go through another postpartum recovery. I knew going into it that these would be the last times. And I don't feel sad by those things. Rather, I feel relief and I feel peace with them. I know that's absolutely not the case for everyone, but that has been my experience. Just so glad that this is that this is it that these chapters are closing for me and my husband feels the same way i had my fallopian tubes removed at the c section with theo i was so certain that this was it that this was done and again i know that that's not how everyone feels but all i can say for myself is that it absolutely was the best decision And having Theo, I trusted, was the decision that was meant to be the one. It didn't even feel like the right choice. I can barely describe it. It didn't feel like the right choice. I just knew deep inside that this was the path we were supposed to take. And it's even more apparent to me now, as I said, because I feel the greatest sense of peace that this is our family. This is it. And after Steel, I didn't have that sense of peace. There was this questioning. Was this it? Is there more? Are there more babies to come to us? I didn't feel done, even though I tried to convince myself that I was tried to convince myself in conversation with Randy that I was done because I was so scared of going through it again. There was not a sense of peace and relief like there is now. So that has been the biggest difference for me this time around postpartum. I want to answer a few questions that you all sent in when I told you I was going to record this episode. So one question was asking about my mental health in general How has it been different than the first time around postpartum? How has your mental health been having a baby and a toddler at the same time? So generally speaking, my mental health has been good. 
I felt so much better. A huge catalyst in that was the birth itself. As I was mentioning earlier in the show, I was experiencing symptoms of PTSD after Steele was born. And I just had a lot of heightened emotions after it. With this time, I have felt pretty even keel. I have felt more joy than I did after Steele was born. Uh, my mental health having a baby and a toddler, I feel like, again, while the joy has been heightened, my stress, like chronic levels of stress has been heightened as well. I'm not someone who's prone to or has experienced postpartum depression or depression in general or postpartum anxiety. Although I do notice some anxious tendencies in myself sometimes. And when I think back on other parts of my life, I noticed that yeah, I was definitely experiencing anxiety at those times, but postpartum anxiety has not been my reality. It just feels like, again, as an introvert and a highly sensitive person, my senses just feel overwhelmed most of the time, the majority of the time, especially when the big kid and Theo are home at the same time, which is most days. It just feels like so much for me to take in. I feel like I need to wear noise canceling headphones like all the time. <laughs> Does anyone else do that? It's so loud. I'm constantly telling people to turn things down, to be quieter. Like mommy needs a minute. Can everyone please be quiet now? <laughs> Which no one understands because they're young kids. It just feels again like my senses are constantly overwhelmed, which is why I need some solitude, solitude time so I can actually think my own thoughts. I'm the type of person who wants to exercise in the dark with the lights off and with no music. That might give you an idea about what I'm talking about. Why I think that having a baby and a toddler is just exhausting. Because there's just so many... Like, it's bright. It's loud. There's a lot of people talking, crying, and whining at the same time. So that has been super challenging for me. I love this next question. It's something that I have been asked many times. Do you think about how your life would be different if you didn't have your little boy? And do you ever feel guilt for contemplating having an abortion? I do think about how our life would be different if we didn't have Theo. But I'm not sure I think about it... Um, in the way that this person might be framing the question, like if I am sad thinking about how our life would be different or yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't feel sad about like the potential that we didn't have him. Of course I feel, of course I feel sad thinking about if we didn't have him now, but that's because I know him. That's because I love him so deeply. I know who he is. But if I didn't know him before, for example, if I had have had that abortion, I trust that we would have been okay too. I just simply trust that every decision is the right decision. Like we would have been okay as a family. Our marriage would have been okay. We would have been okay as a family of three if I had have had that abortion. We didn't know Theo. We didn't love Theo as we love him now. 
So we would have been okay. I didn't feel pressure that this needed to be a family of a certain number, that we needed to have two children. That's not how I felt whatsoever. I feel no guilt for contemplating having having an abortion. For me, I'm of the value system that abortion is normal. Abortion is healthcare. The guilt... It's not there. It wouldn't be productive or useful for me. And I don't feel like there's any shame in contemplating or having an abortion. So perhaps that is why. Um, but yeah, in my world, abortion is so, so normalized. I know many people who have had abortions. I work with birth workers who support people having abortions, um, medical care providers who uh, perform the procedure. So no guilt, no shame for talking about it, for contemplating it, even though I know this baby and love this baby now. No. But I do appreciate that question. I also just really think it's so important for me as someone who was very uh, publicly honest about considering abortion and now having this experience in, this experience of deeply loving this baby and so grateful that he is here with us. I said this in the beginning, but I don't want other people to feel shameful or guilty about perhaps their decision to have an abortion if they were in a similar circumstance. This is just our experience of how we have been living it. I don't want it to feel like anyone, anyone should feel the same way as I do. Our life, full stop. Last question, what was easier this time around? What was harder? So the easiest part, which everyone told me it would be all my clients, all you beautiful community members, easiest part has been the baby, hands down. So simple compared to the hardest part, which has been the big kid. Oh, it's been a year. It's been a year. The big kid has been super challenging. She turns four in August. So she was just about turning three at the time Theo was born. And it has been a year of challenges, pushing boundaries, <sighs> doing my best Janet Lansbury parenting. It's been tough. 100%. It's been tough. So uh, that's it. I think happy birthday to my baby. I'm not sad that he's turning one. I'm not sad that he's growing up. I think it is just the coolest journey to be watching with him. I just feel a lot of joy. I feel really proud of myself that I had the courage. And again, this is specific to me only that I had the courage to do this. And I also think it's courageous to not do this. Happy birth remembrance day to me, forever proud that I made that choice, that I made the difficult decisions again for me surrounding that birth that I really tuned in and listened to myself, 
this pregnancy and birth and postpartum experience has really taught me to trust myself that my intuition is spot on. I found a lot more power in myself and in my voice. And as expected, this has changed me. And I like it. Okay, friends, that is it for this week's episode. If you do have more questions on what this first year postpartum experience has been like or our transition with two kids from one DM me, let me know. I hope this was helpful for you in some way. Thank you for being along for this journey and for always supporting me and for listening and the no judgment zone. It is so appreciated. Thank you. Happy birthday, Theo. On the next episode of To Birth and Beyond, we are so grateful to have Aisha Bizimwa Ali with us, who is a full-spectrum doula out of the Ottawa, Canada region. On this episode, we are talking with Aisha about her work as an abortion doula, and we are really grateful to her for describing the work that she does in these settings and cannot wait to introduce you to the work of an abortion doula if you are unfamiliar with that. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 